Wow Killer is a production of amove.tv. Check out amove TV for many more podcasts, multiple about Blizzard games. And for more of Taliesin's Wow coverage, check out Taliesin and Evitel on YouTube and Twitch.tv. And welcome back, everyone, to Wow Killer. I'm Garrett, joined as always by Tally Essen, and we are back after delaying World of Warcraft Killer, the podcast. Uh, I, I, you made that sound like uh, a joint decision, actually, Garrett. You made it sound like we were both equally to blame to that, which I think is kind of irresponsible of you. I, I was sitting here this time last week in front of this screen, in front of this beautiful neon light, which only listeners can't see but everyone who's here right now can see in front of this incredible stream setup waiting to have the show waiting to talk about all of the incredible wow topics that we wanted to talk about and i was like something very important missing from this show and i couldn't quite put my finger on it but it was you garrett you weren't there and i couldn't put my finger on you because you were nowhere to be seen <laughs> well as as much as i uh as much as it saddens me to think of how much you missed fingering me uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I can't even I get mean, through that. We can probably stop the podcast I, there. I can't even Maybe get through that without know. laughing. Um, I'm just going to sit here and continue sipping my coffee because that is a bold faced lie. I think I told you as early as Monday. I was like, hey, man, it's a busy week. I, I think we just need oh, to. Oh, well, I'd never listen to what you say. So <laughs> I was sitting here waiting for it all to start. And it wasn't, and it was nowhere. And I was like, I was sad, but also a bit relieved. Um, <laughs> You know, it's that thing where, you know, you do like going to parties, right? Everyone likes going to parties. But at the same time, you know, everyone likes going out with their friends and stuff. But at the same time, everyone kind of likes it when their friends cancel on them. I don't remember any of this. What are you talking about? You're talking about the the before time. People people used to make plans and people used to go out with their friends. And it would always be that thing of, oh, we're going to go out with our friends. Brilliant. Fantastic. And then they'd phone and cancel and you'd be like, oh, I'm really glad they canceled. Oh, oh, is there, is there, a, is there a more relieving feeling in this world than friends cancel on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you regret it and you're like, oh, yeah, I wish we hadn't canceled. I wish we'd gone out and had some fun. Um, but then uh, in the moment, it's amazing how much like relief I feel like no matter what I'm doing and no matter what, the amazing thing that I'm going to like, honestly, the day before I went to BlizzCon last year, if they canceled BlizzCon, I'd have been fine. Katie and, like, and I have oh, had this conversation a, a couple of times this year where we were like, so we're going to miss BlizzCon, right? But are you also kind of relieved we don't need to go and aren't going to experience FOMO because yeah, it's been it's, canceled? It's kind, of, it's kind of weirder than that. It's like whatever plan I've made, no matter what the plan is, there's a, there's a period of time, maybe like an hour or two before the, the plan actually happens, you know, where I would be incredibly grateful if it was canceled. And I don't know if that comes from like a social anxiety or something and like literally anything. So BlizzCon, like going to see a play, going out to see uh, like friends or parents or something um, like for drinks and catch ups and things. It even happened when Neil Cree, um, Blizzard composer, was down in London um, and we went out for drinks one night um, uh, and, and the first time we'd ever really hung out. And we had an amazing time. And Neil was like a, an awesome gent, just a beautiful dude to be around. One of the loveliest people I've ever met, actually. And um, 
you know, we got some dumplings in Chinatown and uh, took him to all the best places and stuff and had an awesome time. And then he was like, well, you know, I'm here because I'm recording in Abbey Road Studios tomorrow. Like, do you want to come and, and just sit in on the recording in Abbey Road Studios? And we were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. We're, like, we're, we're huge Beatles fans and we're huge Neela Cree fans. And obviously we'd like to come and sit in on Abbey Road in a recording session in Abbey Road. Of course we would. Like this dream come true, this like incredible life experience. An hour before we had to leave the house, we were like, hope he cancels. <laughs> and then obviously he didn't cancel and then we went we went to uh, abbey road and we watched him record an orchestra the london voices um chorus orchestra uh, who do like all the chanting and the singing in the star wars movies and the harry potter movies and they were recording like a track for neil Cree. and um it, oh like the real really chanting moment. not like when i'm just pulling myself around the house going doo, 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 yeah doo, yeah the actual people <laughs> and and uh, you know we were sitting in 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 the record in the room from in room one of abbey road like studio one abbey road studios like watching this thing happen and then like he was kind of directing them so he'd like press the button he'd be like uh yeah can you do that bit again but um instead of the lyric that i've got written down can you replace it with tally yes and Tally. And they they were like, yeah, sure. And they did it with the word Taliesin in instead. Oh, so you're not you're not you're not joking. That was a legitimate thing that happened. Literally. Oh, that's so good. Oh my god. There's a lyric here. Can you change this one? Because it's just nonsensical chanting, right? But Uh like but they write the words down. Um and it's like, can you change this one to and they were doing it and it was like, oh my god, it was like one of the best experiences ever in our entire life. Tell me you got him to like email you those sound clips because like how have I not heard this on your YouTube? Uh, it's, it's incredible. And like, um, and obviously we had an amazing time and just hanging out with Neil Cree is always wonderful anyway. But then on our way home, we were like, can you imagine that like an hour before we left the house, we were hoping that he was going to cancel? <laughs> <laughs> just because we do for everything. And that's like, we literally anything, like an hour before we have to go out for anything, we're kind of hoping it gets canceled. And I don't know why that is. But I always, always do. And then obviously, after I've been there and I've done it, I've had an amazing time. I'm always super glad that like it didn't get cancelled and I feel ashamed that I had wanted it to be cancelled. But there is always that hour just before where I could happily have whatever I ever do cancelled. I think it's because you strike me as someone who is always working, and uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> and I think I think when things get cancelled, are the only time you you may have a a true moment of just like ah, <laughs> relaxation. <laughs> What I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is in this very roundabout way, Garrett, is that on those occasions where you do discord me in the morning and go, oh, I'm really ill. I can't do the show or whatever. I'm like, yes, <laughs> uh, dude, uh, same when when you do the same, when I get a when I get a when I wake up to a, a to a to a Twitter DM that was sent at three in the morning my time that says, hey, such and such is going down. I don't think I can make the show happen again. And so when my alarm goes off at like 7 a.m. Eastern time and I like. <laughs> <laughs> the crusties from my eyes make a noise as my eyes open and I look at my phone. I just go, oh, thank God. And I just go immediately back to sleep, yeah. which is why you don't get a follow-up DM until no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like, after 9 a.m. Yeah. my time. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's just, you know, it's just the way of things. And I had the, a name for that. There must be a name. I am for, certain like, there is. And if someone, hoping, if hoping one of our many listeners that are significantly smarter than us and may practice some sort of uh, psychological, psychological uh, profession could write into wildkillercast at gmail.com and let us know what that is called. Uh, because 
I know I have Google in front of me, but what's the fun in that? I want to interact with our <laughs> listeners and make them work. Um, <laughs> but I think it's called cool being a human being. Yeah, yeah. I'm experiencing <laughs> with, with with Shadowlands right now. Um, I am I am I am happy that it's being delayed. Not for I think any of the reasons that anyone else on the internet. I'm just like, oh, thank God, because I have too many other games to play, and I just have a busy October. <laughs> Well, I mean, the the whole having time to play other games thing is a bit moot when you're a creator because, you know, you, you don't have time to play other games and stuff anyway, really, to be honest. But I will be streaming yeah. some other games, which will be super fun. Yeah. Well, but I will feel guilty about it. Well, but, uh, I, yeah, but, I, I, for me, <laughs> no one cares but me. But for me, uh, Star Wars Squadrons is like a dream come true. It's a game I've been wanting since they stopped making TIE Fighter games in the 90s. So, yeah, I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, so yeah there's that cool also also freaking cyberpunk is coming out telius and like that's fine it's fine i I have other games i can play Baldur's gate 3 is coming out basically two games i'm i'm willing to just totally immerse myself in forever Mm -hmm. also i'm building a new pc which i really want to have ready in time for shadow so i mean uh, delay in shadowlands i think i think cyberpunk is gonna benefit a little bit more from your new pc than the next world of warcraft expansion but but sure sure remind me of the release date of cyberpunk now um i don't remember is it uh that i will uh, google i'm sure yeah. chat room will beat me to it as i try to type quietly uh <laughs> thanks google initial release 2020 nice i appreciate november it 19th delayed, though, doesn't it? so november 19th um, i tell you on oh, november 19th oh that's not gonna be good that's definitely gonna clash with wow uh, uh no well because i bet on november 19th they're gonna be like so we really didn't want to do this but <laughs> we listen we yeah. know it went gold but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listen. I happily accept uh, a delay, for, another delay from Punk. I don't care. But I do uh, want to try out this new thirty ninety that I've got. Okay, if anyone could please alert me to the address and location of te- one Taliesin, I have a long distance robbery to pull off. <laughs> one taliesin <laughs> i like that taliesin house <laughs> taliesin house yes exactly <laughs> casa uh, taliesin taliesin. In arizona but that's not where i live uh, frank, <laughs> lloyd, frank lloyd wright's house is called taliesin famously mm. you know the famous architect uh, frank lloyd wright yes where his family were murdered by a, a disgruntled servant who killed them all with an axe i was not aware of this fact set fire to the house and then when they ran out to escape the uh, house that was on fire murdered them with an axe Wow. Lord Frank Lloyd Wright. But that's Taliesin House anyway in Arizona. We've never been, even though we have family in Arizona. Um, and um, our family in Arizona are, are beautiful and wonderful. And I, I like them, love them very much, obviously. But um, they're not quite as like, I don't know what the correct word would be. I guess cultural. I guess we have like different cultural tastes, right? So we go to Arizona and we're like, ooh, it would be really nice to go and see the Frank Lloyd Wright House, uh, Taliesin. And they're like, yeah, or we could go hunting. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> that's that's an option. That's certainly an option. Um, you know what else is an option? Um, we we could we could kill some wow with some emails. Oh yeah, let's kill it stone dead. Well, and the reason that it's good, I'm you know, and we were lamenting just last episode how we haven't had time to do a, uh, a, a a mailbag episode for like two months now because, you know, we've had all of the different um, uh, afterlife cinematics coming out and things to talk about, and that's kind of taken up all of the episodes of Wow Killer. And in a way, and, you know, this week we were planning on having the pre-patch to talk about, hopefully, um, and, you know, 
World of Warcraft creeping up, or uh, Shadowlands creeping up the whole time. So this delay is actually kind of helped. If you like mailbag episodes, which statistically not many of you do, because they don't do as well as other episodes. But if if you like mailbag episodes, then ah, oh, Shadowlands being delayed is good news for you. They have performed better since I've stopped naming them mailbag episodes. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So did you learn how to do that in your masters? Uh, no, no. I learned it that from. Should be a lesson in your masters. I learned it from watching you, Taliesin, and your <laughs> your extremely clickbaity YouTube headlines. Yes, please. Yep. And you write them all in capitals, though. Yeah. We- week one of my copywriting class, I am legitimately taking a copywriting class right now for my masters. Uh, one of the things was write headlines in the form of a question, and I actually spit out a little coffee and giggled uh, while I was reading the book because I'm like, this is just ninety percent of YouTube headlines. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. Like, yeah. um, I think you should. We don't have, we don't have a title for this episode yet, but I'm certain that you should call it. This changes everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Or Blizz finally Her got plan it right. Revealed. Blizz finally got it right is another one. You're forgetting that one. Oh, I never, I never use that one. Mm, mm. I can't think of anyone who does. <laughs> You can write your in, by the way, folks, if you want to be part of the show, if you want to help us write future mailbag episodes, write into wowkillercast at gmail.com. And we're going to get right into it. And when I say right into it, I mean, I think roughly 10 minutes, 12 minutes into uh, the recording of this episode. Uh, Straight to the point as ever. Oh, yeah. Zulu from Khadgar writes and says, hey, guys, I've been thinking about how the Arthas currently down in the Maw is not necessarily the Arthas that earned his place there. Ooh, intrigue, Taliesin. So, Zulu. Is that it? Wait, that, that's it. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm still waking up. When he acquired Frostborn back in Warcraft 3, it's made quite clear that he was driven mad by the whispers of the Lich King. This led to him killing his father, killing Uther, raising Kothalas, uh, etc. Uh, when he ascended the throne and on the helm, he then fully merged with the spirit of Nerzul that had been corrupting him all this time. Now that Frostmourne has been shattered and the helm destroyed, presumably the spirit of Arthas currently down in the Maw is the Arthas free of all that corruption? Question mark? What do you think the implications are for the story here and specifically for Taliesin? Does this make you any more open to an Arthas redemption, or is his soul irredeemably scarred at this point? Signed, Zulu from Khadgar. Well, um, one of the things I think is really interesting, uh, but it's a really good question. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting about the, um, the uh, Bastion after cinematic that we talked at at length um, when that cinematic came out is uh, how it kind of presents the idea of um, an Arthas redemption. Because... I've always been kind of like just had a gut feeling that I wouldn't want an Arthas redemption. I, I've been quite clear about that because I I, I think that like redemption storylines in in WoW are a bit boring. Um, and I I feel like yeah, it was fun seeing Illidan again, but you know you you don't need to keep on having redemptions, and it's it's just a just a a tad cliche for me, and especially because it. it it always feels like a way of bringing a bad character that everyone loves back. Like you give them a redemption, you know, um, and that's how we get them back into the story. So it always just seems a bit cheap to me. Um, and um, I don't like, you know, a character's qualification for having a redemption being that they are a popular character. I think there should be like a bit more qualification for a character to receive a redemption story than that. Um, and, I mean, would you prefer it was a character that was like in the background that we barely remember the name of and maybe had two lines? 
I, I, I prefer if maybe like, you know, you can just like leave a character once you're done with them. And once their, their story has been told, you can move on to other characters. Oh boy, do I have bad news about this expansion for you, Talia. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly was, and I often cited it as like narratively, my main concern about Shadowlands was the fact that, you know, I didn't want it to turn into, so when, you know, all the questions come in, they're like, oh, who are the famous characters that you would like to see in Shadowlands? I'm like, no one. I don't care. I, I only want new characters. I don't, I don't care about all the old characters. We did that in WAD, and it was about as much fun as, like, like bum warts. It wasn't fun. It was, you know, like, just a, a, a carnival, a parade of, of, like, characters that you, like, sometimes you got the reference, and sometimes you didn't, and sometimes you, you appreciated how they were undermining the, the kind of established character, and sometimes you didn't, but it was just, like, these names, one after another, thrown at you. And I didn't want that to be the case in Shadow. Um, and that was my main worry, kind of like narratively. And I guess the, the greatest embodiment of that is Arthur, because obviously we're going to see Arthur in Shadowlands. Like that, the, the fact that he was incredibly conspicuous by his name being absent from any of the mentions when Shadowlands was, you know, revealed uh, and, and no one mentioned him from Blizzard at all. And it was like, well, we're clearly going to see. The, the question is how much and in what context. And I was just like, I just don't want him... I don't want it to become like the Arthas expansion, right? So I don't want it to, the story to become about him. I don't want him, you know, like Shadowlands is such this, this rich kind of vein of completely new lore and completely new kind of circumstances, places and characters. And I want the, I want the writers to be able to have fun with that. The Bastion cinematic changed my mind on that quite significantly because uh, kind of what, because of what that question sort of outlines really um in that uh whether or not it's the same arthas or not and i know that is the question and we'll, we'll get to that in just a second um but whether or not whether or not it's the same arthas uh i think quite clearly for me that cinematic telling us that souls no matter how bad they are and we see this later on with garrosh and no matter how much we might think they are a shoe in for the more no one goes there automatically everyone gets like that one chance of redemption um in yeah i, I in, like that you bring up garrosh because i hadn't really thought about that but garrosh at least in if we're taking just afterlives as the only existing example because as i've been beating a dead horse the expansion isn't out yet the beta doesn't count um yeah <laughs> um garrosh is the only example we've seen uh if we're not yeah. beta players of kind of how that works like that is a, a garrosh is a cold hard example uh that clearly no one just gets shortcutted to yeah. the maw because if anyone is a horrible trash boy that deserves to get shortcutted into the maw it's garage totally and, and and just the fact that um uh devos and uther feel the need to um you know bypass the arbiter and you know they think they think arthas is the worst person in the world so why do they need to put him in the moor? Surely he's going there anyway. The fact that they bypass the process and, and, and bypass the system specifically to put him in the moor suggests that he wouldn't have gone there otherwise, which suggests that no one does straight away. And that you, yeah. you almost have to earn your place in the moor by uh, failing in Revendreth, you know, like uh, completely. Um, and they couldn't take the chance of him being redeemed even like over millennia or whatever. So they, yeah, they indulged in their, in their baser kind of desires for revenge and good feelings and they, and they chucked him in the more. Um, so that to me is an incredibly interesting kind of ethical 
like dilemma, which would be quite interesting for me to explore because Arthur simply getting redemption storyline as in, oh, I feel bad about what I did and I was corrupted and allow me to prove to you all that I'm a good guy now by, you know, helping you and, and spinning around in a boss fight or whatever. Um, that's uninteresting to me. But, you know, if it's a case of he's really bad, but he wasn't given the chance that everyone is supposed to have to redeem himself. And I, I find one of the, re- maybe one of the reasons I find that more interesting is because we don't have to actually watch the redemption happen. We don't have to see it happen. We just need to win him his chance. Like, we just need to win him his chance to be in Revendreth. And then we can leave him there. And it's fine. And if there is a redemption, it can happen like a thousand years in the future or whenever Blizz want to bring him back into the game. And, or not. And he could fail and, and, and go to the more then. Yeah, um, but the that's... fact is, he, he deserves the chance. And that's more interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's if I had to hazard a guess on the kind of the angle they take with him, I think that's going to be it as well. I mean, we we, we talked about this in, in the Bastion episode, but but I, I think they're I don't think they're I, I don't think they're necessarily lying to us when they're like, oh, no, Arthas is going to be all over this this expansion like a pox. Uh, sure. I, I, I think it's going to we're going to be more focused on Uther. Like they were, I think the redemption here is of, of Uther. Uh, by way of of Arthas's soul, um, and not if I had to hazard a guess on what they're going to focus on, I it it makes me feel think so much of like the Star Wars sequel trilogy, um, and specifically like one of the early interviews with J.J. Abrams about the Force Awakens, where he was like, "Yeah, every time we tried to write in Luke Skywalker, it just became about Luke, and so I'm just going to make it the next director's problem." <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of how I feel. I look at Arthas, I'm just like, if we. I feel like if you if you open the lid fully, it's just gonna become about Arthas. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is also Warcraft, and there's just so many characters and so many moving pieces that. Yeah. I mean. And like, okay, so I, I, to to the original question as well, like, do I believe it was the same Arthas, um, who was the Lich King essentially, uh, who is in the Moor, or is it essentially, if I understand the question, like earlier Arthas? before he became corrupted. Like once, once he's dead and his soul kind of leaves the uh, armor of uh, domination, um, is it, I was called Helm of Domination, um, whatever the armor is, um, is he then free of like the kind of the mingling with Nezul? And is it like, a, a, I guess, a more pure Arthur's soul, which therefore would be judged differently uh, from from Lich King Arthas, I'm not sure it really matters. I think like when we talk about Arthas being corrupted, it's not the same as some other characters when they're corrupt. Because, you know, like some other characters when they're corrupted by things, they are straight up good characters and then they get a thing in their ear and they're a bad character. They didn't do anything to become bad. You know, they didn't kind of like have any uh, agency in you know, like the them becoming bad was completely random or planned by someone else, and they had no say. In it. With Arthas, it's not quite like you know he uh, consciously set down on a path, which you know he was warned multiple times about, um, which then resulted in that corruption. It's kind of like if I'm at the top of a if I if I throw a penny off of the Eiffel Tower, you know, and then forget about it. I'm still responsible if that penny hits someone and like takes their head when it hits the bottom of the Eiffel Tower, right? Boy, that's you a know, morbid it, example, but yes. It's, 
it's out of my hands at that point. And, you know, like I, I didn't physically kill them, but I still kind of made an action and committed an action, knowing full well what the consequences could be. Um, and I deserve the blame for those consequences. Yeah. Well, if, and and you know, and and you and I on this show, I feel like when we're not making dick jokes, uh, get into the like the. Is concept. there a time when we're not making dick jokes? There are actually, and I feel like we get into just the concept of storytelling quite often. And and I, you've brought up multiple times, and I agree with you that a lot of a lot of times, like it, things are pretty simple. Like in terms of like if something is being portrayed in a certain light, that tends to be how it, how it goes, um, which. Had I thought about that before, I might not be so grumpy on the subject of Sylvanas. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I I don't think I don't think they're going to play you know six D chess with with Arthas's characterization here. I, they have they have shown us in the Bastion cinematic like they have definitely teed that up in the light that this is Arthas's soul as and Arthas is Arthas and, and went on this journey from Stratholm to dying at at Ice Crown. Um, mm. and so I think as far as they are concerned, like Arthas is at fault for the journey he went on, regardless of what other souls he merged with along the way. Yeah, I think so. And they do make an effort to, uh, and the amazing artists on, on, on that series clearly want him to look sympathetic only in sense that he is so helpless in that last kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of decision, frame. like. Every that was painted. It's not like that was pre-existing assets, right? Like yeah. they could have painted Arthas as pre-Serenite armor. Could have been blonde with his Paladin armor. Like there's, yeah. it was a decision was made to keep him in his Death Knight armor. Um, and yet you're right. Like look, like when Uther's holding him by the neck over the maw, like just the way they paint his face, like he just looks asleep and helpless. Yeah. Um, um, and, and in the frame before that, as he's dying as well, which we, we associate with like a cinematic that one really loves where there is an element of sympathy towards him in, in that cinematic well, and, you know, a grain of it because we're human beings and we recognize, and I used to take this as red, but, and we recognize and empathize with humanity and others, right? So we see like recognizable humanity in people. And even if they are bad people, we empathize with them. Um, and, and, and that's the case with Arthas as well. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't think it matters what part of Arthas's soul, uh, is in the more, although I would agree with the, the questioner in that I think it would, I don't think, you know, there's going to be any moments where he's like, oh, my soul is still fused with Nerzul's, Nerzul's soul, like in the more, I think it's going to be pure. I mean, actually that could make quite a nice series of quests or whatever, but like, I think, I think it's probably going to, you know, what you see is what you get. It's Arthas's soul. He's probably in the state where he was at the end of Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Wrath of the Lich King, where he's like kind of glad that it's all over. And I dare say he's going to be feeling quite regretful about the things he did. Boy, or, he's, he's really glad that those plans got canceled. Yeah. yeah. Or, or he might have thrown himself, you know, that might have been how he arrived there. And he might have thrown himself wholeheartedly into into the jailer's stuff or maybe not maybe he's like maybe he's running some kind of like resistance in the morgan who knows but I think <laughs> i'm trying to think of it like find that it will be Arthur. i don't i don't i don't look at arthas and go good soldier material this guy can really take orders 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And I can't really see Sylvanas going, ah, oh, yeah, that's the dude I want on my side, Mr. Jailer. Yeah, let's, uh, this is the team up of the century. This is. Like I mean, she should, because she learned nothing from what, what Arthas did to her, almost as if the writers forgot about tragedies that yeah. befell her in her past life. Um <laughs> But there's there's tons of potential for really good storytelling there. But um, yeah. to answer the question, I think the the, the Arthas that we will find in the Moor is the Arthas that we saw in the Wrath of the Lich King ends. Yeah, I I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and if you are playing the WoW Killer drinking game, yes, we have complained about Sylvanas and uh, the end of Wad uh, already. So, I mean, an interesting question could be, where is Nezul's soul? And where in the Shadowlands is Nezul? Like, once the Lich King was killed, if Arthas went to the Shadowlands, presumably Nezul did well. And well if, oh, yeah, but is, Helm, is he still tied to the Helm domination? Because then that knows? went to. And, like, I, I dare say we'll get a lot of clarification on that. Yeah, maybe. Or is it too fiddly and they're not interested in that portion if of I it? If I know Steve Denuser, um, I think he would enjoy it. I think he would enjoy Fair. exploring. Fair. Uh, if not exploring it, at least clarifying it. One thing I like about Steve Denuser is he he's not afraid to just like clarify some, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really enjoy that, um, and the way that he approaches the story. Yeah. He's always yeah. kind of trying to build doors and windows into other things, but he's also not afraid to just straight up explain some. Shit. We're gonna find a book that is in game text that explains what happens. I don't think it's gonna be a full fledged cinematic. Maybe if we're lucky, oh, it'll, uh, it'll be read to us in the voice of Deckard Kane as if we're learning about some new demon. Nerzul okay, so I, I, died did us third time and went to the moor himself. He can be found yeah, in a cottage on a hill in Revendreth being a dick. Okay, but I mean, look, I, I'm going uh, to put my Bobby Kotick hat on for a second here. It's made of gold and also the skin of my employees. And I'm, I'm going to say... <laughs> the hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say, you know, guys, if you were planning a series of CGI, like high fidelity trailer quality cinematics like you did in BFA with Saofang, you know, all I'm saying is if you could get Arthas into at least a few of those to explore his journey, I mean, that's gold. That's gold. Uh, a, a, a cinematic series exploring Arthas's kind of process and journey in in uh shadowlands like like we saw saofang's journey and to an extent thrall's journey as well in bfa would be magnifique would the dreamhaven hat by comparison be made of rainbows and ethical work environments um the the dreamhaven hat would be made of grateful employees building statues of mike moorheim <laughs> That'd be a heavy hat. Yeah, but, you know, heavy is the crown. <laughs> Mike Morheim wouldn't mind. He'd bear it with good grace and cheer. Will writes in and says, hey, killers. Good mm. band. Good band. Oh, I was, I was just thinking good name for us. To be I don't honest. think if anyone has, killer, has addressed an email this way yet. It took a while and it's so, it's so genius. Did uh, I ever tell you about the time I got backstage in a killer's gig? No, Bristol. I have a feeling I, okay, you're so about to friend, tell us, though. I had a friend who uh, worked um, as a sound technician for a load of bands um, because, you know, I work in theater. And uh, one time I did get a phone call uh, from him on my birthday when he was out with Iron Maiden. 
Iron Maiden sang happy birthday to me, which is pretty cool. Um, and what? another time he was in Bristol with the Killers uh, at the same time I was there um, in drama school. And um, he got us into the gig free and then got us backstage as well. Um, and uh, we got onto their tour bus and I got really drunk and made an idiot of myself and had to go home. Well, that's, that's, that sounds like backstage stories. In front of the Killers. Uh, and I it's... didn't even have sex with any of them. What's the point? <laughs> One of the few extremely popular uh, early aughts bands I have not seen live. They were good. Yeah. They were really good. Shame. Shame. Well, Will continues and says, hey, Killers, just listening th- uh, through episode 27 of Wow Killer, and two things occurred to me. First, Garrett's order uh, orders mine for the, this is the uh, Afterlives cinematics, and I would argue follows the emotional valence of the stories told from greatest to least. In terms of generating strong sentiment, Bastion seems the obvious winner, followed by Ardenweald, Maldraxxus, and then Revendreth. This is obviously subjective, but that's how they struck me, a filthy casual who hasn't played beta and who, despite playing since launch slash Warcraft 2, has fairly middling lore knowledge. Which leads to my question. Given my level of knowledge and play, is it good, bad, Meh, that I enjoyed all the cinematics other than Bastion far more after watching Tally's breakdown videos. Many <laughs> thoughts, but I'll leave it there as this is already probably too long an email. Thank you for all you do, and I hope this finds you both well. Keep on killing it, Will. P.S. Oh. P.S. Patreon? Um, I included that P.S. just so I could say definitive. We're not doing a Patreon, anyone. Um, no, we a- have talked about it, yeah. but uh, we decided against it. Yes, we're we're not doing one. Um, so if you want to support we the show, Patreon t- for other things, and we know that if we start a Patreon for Wow Killer, you guys are amazing, and lots of you who already help us out on our kind of other Patreons for our main stuff would help us out here, and we don't think so. Uh, we, we're going to try and find if we if we ever did monetize the show, would yeah, it would, it would probably be through more passive means like advertisers, which means the best way you can help the show is tell your friends. That's it. Yeah, that's all we all we ask, all we ask. But um, back to Will. Send us in awesome questions for mailbag episodes, just like this. That too, because then we like don't have to write episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really uh, back really to appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, back to back to Will's question. I mean, obviously, Will is a very smart person because he agrees with me. Yeah. Well, exactly. Totally. Sorry, was I a bit far away from the mic? Is it not picking up sometimes? Um. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he uh, is correct in liking the cinematics more after watching my analysis of them. Um, uh, and that's how everyone should feel. And uh, if they don't feel like that, then they're doing it wrong. Uh, I mean, that's the answer to the question. But um, I, would, um, I would disagree that uh, in my, and it, it's 100% subjective here. There's, there's no objectivity in, in this subject at all. Um, for me... Uh, I wouldn't say that it, it got like from for, for me after Bastion the the most kind of like emotional and and uh, kind of emotionally resonant cinematic was definitely the Arden Wheel. Um, like that one made me feel some feels. Yeah, uh, and in terms I, of the more I've I've thought on it, I think I think I give Arden Wheel the second spot. Yeah, yeah the more yeah, it simmers. Too, absolutely that one just gets um, better like every time you watch it it really it, does it, i watched that one a lot of all of them that's just the one that stands strongest like on its own with like just concepts that are specific to shadowlands yeah yeah i think so 
uh, in many ways, um, um, with the exception of probably the Reverend Death one, maybe it kind of just sets up the story of, of uh, Shadowlands better than the other ones as well. Because, you know, the drought is very important to the kind of the main thrust of the story. And that's the, that's the, the one where we actually see the effects of the drought kind of ravaging the actual zone itself. And, um, and, and so that's very important too. And also like just the, yeah, the, the, the emotions and the stakes were very, very high. We, we see a, a soul that we know cease to exist, presumably, um, and, and be deaded forever, though. Uh, and that's, that's really important. And, and also the music is just incredible. And, and, and it's played as being very emotional. Like the, the purpose of it is to be incredibly emotional. And they, they, they achieve that purpose very, very well. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So I would, I would, and I mean, no spoilers, but um, Ardenweald as a zone and as a covenant campaign as well has some pretty big feels in it. Like that is a very feel laden covenant. If you are to join that one and, and, and a zone to quest through, like that is, it is a feely place. There are me- much feels, many cries. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, to, to like more directly answer your question, I don't think there's anything wrong with with liking or or reconsidering certain things after engaging in someone else's take on it. Uh, I mean, in this case, it was you, Taliesin, and your YouTube channel, but like it's no different than any of like the multiple other forms of community engagement you could partake in. Yeah, it's, totally. it's, and it's, like it's what's fun about being a total dork about these <laughs> this sort of fiction. Yeah, I mean, like I I have pretty strong opinions about things a lot of the time. And I, I, I know what I think about things, but I still, I'm uh, desperate to watch content from people talking about those things when I'm, when I'm hyped for them or when I've, I'm still kind of, you know, on the wave of just having consumed them or something. And like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what YouTube and the internet is kind of based on. You're just like, I, I've already got an opinion on this thing, but I, I would like to hear this person's opinion on this just because I still want to be in that zone where I'm hearing people talk about it. Um, and, uh, that's certainly the case with, with wow stuff a lot of the time. I just want to, you know, I just want to hear someone talk about wow. Um, and, and in some cases they can give you a different perspective on things, which, uh, isn't quite what the, the analysis videos try and do. They try and kind of maybe point out sort of more technical or narrative kind of cues that you may have missed and, or just like gaps in the law that you didn't know that are being referenced, um, in the cinematic as well. Um, and, and that's always just a really interesting thing to hear. Like, I, I don't want to say it's like a director's commentary when you watch like a DVD, uh, kind of. So um, ask your parents about DVDs, kids. But um, they used to have like director's commentaries on them and, and, and things like that. But um, I, re- I used to really enjoy watching the director's commentaries. And then I realized that I enjoyed basically anyone just commenting. It didn't have to be the director. Like the director was always incredibly insightful and yeah i'd rather hear steve denusa talk about a cinematic than or you know taryn gregory talk about cinematic than anyone else but um just because the insight they could give you into their process but just anyone who kind of knows what they're talking about from whatever whether it be a law perspective or a filmmaking perspective or just wow in general it's always going to be interesting to hear them talking about them and they're always going to have like a, an insight or an observation that you haven't thought of and and, and which kind of enriches your experience yeah and that's that's something the internet is really really great well yeah yeah and that's what's interesting too is is like to roll around in the content creation uh pit mud pit for a bit is you might hear from someone like darren gregory when you put stuff like that into the universe (laughs) they may hit you up on twitter or it may come up in a interview months later 
Um, yeah. And that's kind of what's cool about all this. But now I just want to go watch DVDs with director's commentary. I really missed that. Thanks. Thank you for reminding me of something else I missed, Elias, and I appreciate it. It's October, <laughs> so I would recommend Cabin in the Woods. That's very good director's commentary. Is it? Yes. Quite interesting. We were just talking about Cabin in the Woods the other day because we were watching The Boys, the new series The Boys, and uh, recent events in, in The Boys have been very reminiscent of the ending of Cabin Ooh, in the Woods. I haven't watched and season two yet. I really like season one of The Boys, just haven't gotten around to it. But It's vastly superior in my opinion. Oh, good. I've um, heard basically two. no one talking about season two. When season one happened, yeah. no one would shut up about it, and I watched it's it, really and I loved it. And, uh, it's so kind was... of transcended. Uh, I, so for me, the, the first season felt very much like it was written in the early 2000s, which, I mean, the comic it's based on was. It felt like a very early 2000s deconstruction of... I mean, it felt like something that was written during the Iraq war. Um, and and yes. a lot of the kind of the references felt like they were referencing that kind of thing. And Problem. I feel like obviously the world is in a different situation right now. But also, I think, Deacon, you know, because that's obviously before any of the Marvel movies or anything. And I feel like superhero deconstruction has moved on a lot since the early 2000s as well. It's very different today as well. So, and, and yet um, I, I see... Oh boy, oh, oh, this is a good, we, we should, we're, we're going to do the boys podcast now. I see echoes. <laughs> I see echoes from the early aughts in in the world at the moment. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I think I think just the issues that they kind of take on in the second season are a bit more relevant to how we look at superheroes. Yeah, um, uh, that's that's, and, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's literally a baddie called Stormfront in it. Mm. Um, and uh, like I know Stormfront is in the comics as well, but like um, yeah, it's just it's just like it's, when- it's really cool. When the hell are we going to get a Blizzard series? Like anything, like like throw a dart. Well, we're getting the Diablo one, aren't we? Star- uh, Diablo Apparently, we sometime, series. eventually. I don't know. It's Diablo, yeah. Taliesin, so... Well, I mean, Garrett... Seven I, I, to I'm, 17 years no, before I'm not we see taking, something? I, I'm not taking a digital marketing master's, right? Or a digital... <laughs> uh, like, but I don't know. If I had a Diablo series that I was working on and I was going to put onto Netflix, I, don't, I might try and line it up with Diablo 4 in some way. Well, you would think that, but you, you know, if I, if I, I, I was doing a Warcraft movie, you know, Taliesin, if I was doing a Warcraft movie, I might try and, uh, line it up within at least the first decade of extreme success of a, of a Warcraft, um, well, MMO, or maybe I'm even still... consider, maybe stop for one second and think to myself, is this the most boring story we could tell from Warcraft? That would have been the other thought in my head. I'm um, still convinced that the original plan was to have uh, the Warcraft movie ready for WOD. Um, well, it sure as hell seems like it was. Yeah, I maintain that I would have enjoyed WOD a whole lot more if I'd seen the Warcraft movie before. I- yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you would have, because yeah. it sure seems like it. it sure seems like a direct tie-in almost, even though yeah. they changed things like the circumstances of Draka's death and whatnot. Oh yeah, for sure. But it just made me be, be like, ah, oh, okay. I quite like to go back and live through that WOD stuff again, just to kind of, cause I'm in that, you know, I, I've got that in my palette right now and I'm quite enjoying it. And yeah. 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 Oh. Although <laughs> I went away being like, I just want more Medivh. I think that was the most interesting point of all of that. Even weird shirtless clay carving Medivh. I don't know, man, the whole like, sorry, spoilers for Warcraft movie right now. Sorry, fans. Um, but the whole like uh, Garona being Medivh's daughter was a bit. I'm not sure. There's not a sure lot of that movie that's a bit. I'm not sure. I don't like that. That's a bit weird. <laughs> it's like we'll change them from literally being lovers and having a kid to being father and daughter, and it's like, oh, I don't know. It seems I don't know. It seems weird to me, and also like completely wipes out the whole interesting connection 
Groenet with Dranai as well. But anyway, yeah. um, lots of lots of thoughts there. I like Garrosh literally delivering Thrall in Azeroth as they go through the portal. I think that's um, and I love how the fell is done in that. Um, I think it's just really well explained in that. Mm. Um, and there's lots I like about that. Film. Um, but anyway, moving on to the next question. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. Unlike Garden Wheel, it, it does not get better with time for me. Uh, Uthos wants to know, uh, hello, friends. Have we sorted out what happens to demon souls when they die in the Twisting Nether? I know a demon soul can only die there, but do they go to the Shadowlands after that? I ask because of the revelations in the Draka short. Keep up the good work. Uthos from the Aspects of Lore podcast and apparently a proud TNE patron. Oh, wow. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I would say no. And based, uh, they don't go to the Shadowlands, and 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 that's based purely and one hundred percent on just what Steve Denuser has said in interviews, where he says that um they don't, and and the way you've described it is is a bit different, granted, and like would it kind of would I say that it's going against the law if what you said turned out to be true, and if they did die in the Twisting Nether, they went to the Shadowlands? No, it would make sense to me. Uh, the way you've described it, but I'm going to go and just say on the evidence that we've been presented, I'm going to say no thus far. That would be my position. Uh, that uh, when they die, in the same way that it, like, okay, so Ursoc died in the Shadowlands, um, and we are kind of led to believe by the very sad music playing and the way everyone is very sad, because like, you could compare Ursoc to demons, okay, and, and the way that um, his soul, when he dies in our reality, goes to uh, the Shadowlands and is like recharged there, ready to be reborn again. I mean, that's exactly what happens to demons. They die, but they don't go to the Shadowlands. They go to uh, the Twisting Nether and they, they are also kind of recharged, come out again into our reality. And, and that is quite a strong comparison that you can draw there in the processes. And we are led to believe that when Ursoc died in the Shadowlands, I mean, that's He's, he just no longer exists. Maybe his soul has just been kind of broken down into anima, which has been sort of absorbed into the, into the reality itself. Uh, maybe that's what happens with, with um, demons as well. Um, but we are in both cases, I think, and I think you get hints of it in, uh, if it's not explicitly said, they certainly imply it in Thousand Years of War, the uh, audio drama, um, that uh, you kind of just like, cease to exist you know if if you a demon when they're killed in the twisting nether is just 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 gone it's no longer there um so yeah that, that based on the evidence we have and i'm not like you know i, I don't really care i'm not gonna kind of like plant a flag and say like die on a hill but just based on what we've got i'd say that's probably yeah that's kind of where my head is at as well i'm I'd still find it odd that they haven't like blatantly explained the stakes of dying in the Shadowlands uh, with the like with the Afterlife shorts, especially since they deal with dying in the Shadowlands multiple yeah. times. Well, I, I do you feel like the the Afterlife shorts could have just benefited from Morpheus popping up and being like, "If you die in the Shadowlands." <laughs> die in real life you know sometimes Tellius and yes i do ask sometimes <laughs> i i would prefer less subtle means of storytelling yeah okay no, i i think that's fair enough and i i don't want to spoil anything in shadow um but it might be explained a bit better in quest 
Yeah, but I'm also one of those annoying role players that just like point blank asks the DM questions about the state of the world. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, what did this dragon ever do to you? Why do uh, I have to uh, go fight it? <sighs> but wow, you actually managed to fight things in your D and D campaign. We spend most of our time just like not doing anything and just talking. Uh, it's usually shopping. We're, we we yeah. are absolutely our group is absolutely that that horrible. Uh, stereotype of role players that just want to shop. <laughs> uh, Selenor, Blood Elf, Diplomat Warrior, and Sylvanas Loyalist writes in and says, Dear WoW Killers, Garrett and Taliesin, my question is, if you were put in charge of directing a Sylvanas Afterlives animatic, what points would you want to hit? Uh, and then Selenor said uh, their pitch would be a more visually emotive retread of A Good War. A Good War. Short story, Sylvanas talking smack to Sourfang. Oh, thank you. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, okay. That's an interesting take. I think that would be uh, a, a a weird, that would, I mean, that would be a very talky, heady animatic instead of an action-packed one. Those, I feel like. You know, like mm. I, I, you could argue that's what the Bastion one was, apart from like the points of incredibly high drama that sort of, that sort of uh, top and tailed it. Um, it was mostly just kind of, you know, sad talking to each other, and it was very effective. But um, yeah, I like that idea. I, I feel like there's already two different interpretations of what happened there in a good war and in in the kind of questing in the pre patch. Yeah, um, and adding a third layer might kind of because presumably you'd want stuff in that that isn't in either of those other two tellings of the story so uh, it might be just a bit much all in the space of a couple of years uh some people might think i, th- I think it's a good idea and I- i'd be well up for- i'm always up for any kind of retreadings of any story yeah yeah for me for sylvanas it would I, I like my brain immediately goes to her chucking herself off the top of ice crown yeah. like that yeah. one seems a lot more apt to tie into shadowlands to me a first meeting with the jailer yeah. basically yeah uh, we now know would that be a little bit like the Ashara Warbringer, though? You know, would it be a like, bad thing? Sylvanas throws herself off of Ice Crown, and then this fish starts swimming around her in the <laughs> darkness, it, and she's all like, "I take orders from no one." And the fish is like, "Ah, but you'll drown." Yeah, but uh, oh, it's, dark it's, it's, it's different, though. It's different though, because because Ashara is in a state of 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 having a catastrophe befall her, whereas Sylvanas is making a very deliberate choice to. Uh, put herself in the position that she finds herself in. Right. Um, and plus like, it just seems like such an important story beat for, for Sylvanas's character. And it has only happened in text. I can't imagine that we're not going to see it. I mean, maybe that's what that CGI jailer face is all about. Like that Delta CGI jailer that was on the front PC gamer magazine. Oh, Oh, you think cold open Sylvanas walking up to the precipice of the, of the frozen throne model. We've got a jailer model. We now know, uh, the trailer to BFA, uh, to, to Shadowlands was uh, a really nice, uh, ice crown build. Yep. So we know it, that exists as well. Um, and they wouldn't have to, you know, that's all the assets you need for that. that Yeah. Oh God. Well, I guess would Arthas's body still be there? Cause we also have an Arthas cinematic model. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, I mean, you could put Arthur's body there. Why not? Who cares? Uh, I mean, it's, co- it's a couple of weeks after the events of uh, of Ice Crown, so it'd be stretching it a little. You know, bit, here's here's but- my annoying uh, role play question. Excuse me, Mister DM. What happened to Arthas's body? Well, you know what? We might well find that out as well. Um, and, what if somebody... Uh, okay, because I think the on-brand uh, happening of, of Arthas's body would be Sylvanas just unceremoniously kicking it off the side of Ice Crown. Yeah, or burning it or something. And yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that, that could be really that could be really interesting. Um, <laughs> Cormac in the chat room says, it despawned. <laughs> Please put that in the cinematic. Please. Once it got looted, it just despawned. <laughs> oh my god that'd be great um, but yeah I mean I wouldn't bet against seeing Sylvanas throw herself off Ice Crown and, and come into contact with the Jailer for the first time uh, I, that would that would be really uh, a nice kind of um, afterlives to have and it would certainly certainly help with explaining the story it would shut and me then, up what, okay so what if that's how it began right so okay it's a bit like Ashara you, you have like Sylvanas sadly at the top of Ice Crown you know, do, 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 do. I have nothing else to live for. And she throws herself off Ice Crown. And then she's, it's so dark. It's so terrifying. Why is that? And then out of the darkness comes the jailer's face. And he's like, your world prison. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then, and then uh, she comes out with all like the, 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 uh, um, yeah, the flying people that are her dudes. And Belt then, here. um, Thank you. And, and and then what if it has like, you know, with really dramatic music, it like zooms into important kind of parts of WoW history that she's been involved in, but now from the perspective that we know she's working with the jailer the whole time. So what if it like zooms to uh, her using the blight in uh, Gilneas and, uh, you know, uh, Garrosh being like, don't use the blight and her being like, of course I won't Garrosh. He, he, he. And then like it, it you see, you see uh, the orc general going out of the of. I think they're in a cathedral, are they? At that point, um, and and like it's like the camera pans on uh, Sylvanas, and you see like the jailer or one of the jailer's representatives at her shoulder, behind her in the shadows, and she's like, "Of course we blight and stuff like that," and like you know, it goes to uh, it zooms to Vol'jin dying, and uh, you know, him making Sylvanas war chief, and her being like but I don't want to be war chief. But then it kind of like shows her face and she's got like an evil smile and stuff like that. And can I uh, yank the you know, break like, and be an absolute foil to this entire conversation? Yeah, go for it. That's a lot of unique assets to generate for a full fledged cinematic. Spoiling it. I mean, for, for, for a high fidelity CGI cinematic, it would be, but for a, uh, for, a, for an afterlife cinematic, which was the question. Don't know if you remember. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Well, now you, you mentioned the CGI, uh, yeah. jailer. I'm going to be, you know, you've got me. You totally, you win. Congratulations. You win the podcast argument, but you mentioned the CG. <laughs> yeah, jailer. No, you're quite right. You're quite right. Um, uh, I only, I only actually brought up the, the animation to kind of uh, win. Yeah, but no, no, you're, uh, what you're describing though would absolutely work for an, for an afterlife. So that 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 would work. Um, I think that'd be a, a sweet ass. Yeah, and then they go to Teldrassil, and it just says "Shut the hell up, Garrett," and has the jailer behind her as 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 Teldrassil burns. Uh, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be, it'd be, yeah, or like you know, she's she's talking to uh, uh, Saofang in in um, uh, Darkshore just after Saofang has let Malfurion get away, and she's uh, and and like some shadowy jailer representative is there, 
being like oh you know i that that one bums me out too because i would love failing, you have failed you know and and like just pumping her up and stuff and yeah i i think it could be awesome i think it could be really cool oh um you do you mean to tell me tell that we missed out on malfurion having eternal damnation in the mob because that is a bummer yeah and team sylvanas on that account <laughs> totes bummer hey he's cool in that 8.2 cinematic uh, uh you are literally bringing up the only time he's ever been cool yes yes I am. <laughs> so like a lifetime of either sleeping through important things or just being a buzzkill oh my god oh my god how amazing would it be if in the afterlife cinematic they go to the bit with garrosh and sylvanas and garrosh is like watch your pretty mouth and walks redacted off. Yeah, redacted and then walks off but then it pans to sylvanas and like the jailer's representative is at her shoulder and like the jailer's like garrosh is such a bit oh. <laughs> i would be very into garrosh that is such a little bitch i would be so into that yeah yeah just, <laughs> i think that'd be amazing some ephemeral jailer lackey just calling garrosh a bitch that would be fantastic <laughs> and it's like it's like oh the jailer stole garrosh's bitch <laughs> And you just cut to a bunch of the, you just like hard slam cut to a bunch of the jailer's cronies just going, oh, <laughs> be great. Arthas is in there. Just, oh, damn. <laughs> uh, be awesome. It'd be right, I'm in favor of this. It'd I'd be- also, I'd also, um, on the flip side, that, that I think that would make a really cool, um, like ex- recontextualizing uh, Sylvanas's actions over the last few years from the point of view of she's working with the the jailer, uh, which we now know she was, and that would be really interesting. Uh, likewise, I'd like to see her operating in the moor with the jailer, um, and then maybe just talking about their plans or something. Um, yeah, be interesting. If if I played on the EU server, we should have we should have had a like a meetup in Revendreth at some point to go to wherever Garrosh is held and just have a call Garrosh a bitch party. That would that could have been a really fun WoW killer in game event. <laughs> it could still happen. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. The only thing stopping me is having an EU account. That's it. That's all that stops <laughs> me. I guess it's not that big of a of a barrier. But um, but yeah, I think I think the serious answer to this is yeah, the whole. Throwing herself off ice cream bit would would sure make a lot of sense. That sure would make a lot of sense. Um, all right, kind of changing gears, getting away from from Shadowlands stuff for a minute. Uh, Michael wrote in Talia and said, "This question is for both of you, but maybe slightly more for Garrett than Tally, which I love that as a way to lead into an email. Would you eliminate the Pathfinder achievement requirements for unlocking flying if it meant that the cost of training was as high as it was in Vanilla or Burning Crusade?" proportionate to how much gold is in circulation now versus then basically adjusted for in-game inflation uh, i remember farming ore for weeks to sell for my first mount and that doesn't feel terribly different from grinding rep i'm guessing it'd be well into six figures and possibly even more uh, or sorry even over a million gold today um and i'm just gonna say no no i wouldn't um <laughs> and i and and i the way my brain works reading this michael is uh in vanilla that was the first time you ever got a mount. You didn't have a mount, and you were working up to having one, which I think is a, a huge quality of life improvement. Um, and then for BC, it, we had never flown before, and you were working up to being able to fly for the first time ever in the history of the game, which I think is a lot different from moving into 
subsequent expansions when you already have a mount, when you've already flown, when you can already fly. I don't think the like the price should be proportional because I don't think the the milestone that it is the very first time you get a mount and the very first time you fly. Uh, I don't think it's proportionate. Yeah, and like in those earlier iterations of the game, having those mounts and, and that ability was very much like a reward. Um, and so it didn't matter that the, the haves and have-nots were so marked, you know? Um, whereas if you don't have flying now when it's available, you're just not playing the game up. It's, it's not a case of if you do have flying, you're, oh, you're lucky and you must be doing really well and you must have earned a lot of gold, you must have worked really hard. It's more a case of if you don't have flying, well, I mean, you're just not going to have so much fun, are you? So having like um, a gold cost which would be prohibitive to anyone, A, is ethically quite, uh, you're on dodgy ground these days with the WoW token. Um, I, I would say there's probably an ethical argument against having that now. Uh, yeah, I agree with you entirely um, on that on that point. It's absolutely player power at this stage, uh-huh. um, being able to do your, your world quests and stuff quicker. And there's an argument that that amount of player power behind a gold cost introduces with the WoW token uh, an element of pay to win. I think there already is a problem with that in uh, uh, buying on equip max level items in the auction house. Um, I, I think since the WoW token, which I think is brilliant in every other way, I think it's incredibly consumer friendly. I think it means that there are like genuine pay-to-win questions around things like buying on equip items, uh, max level buying on equip items, um, and I'd like to see that stop happening. Basically, uh, and and I think flying behind a like any kind of prohibitive gold cost would be would be that. Yeah, I'm all for gold sinks in the game. I think like uh, you know I I really like very expensive mounts and, and things. Oh, I bet you do now that you actually got the very expensive mounts. Yeah, but they exactly, yeah. But they've got to they've got to be things like mounts. They've got to be, you know, essentially vanity items. Um and this, when you get like genuine player power behind them, like the ability to fly would be. Uh with the WoW token now, I think you I think you're just basically on on shaky ethical ground. Um and it's not something I really want to see. Yeah, I, I really agree with you there. Wow, gosh. Goodness. Good. Did we just agree with each other? Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Sean C writes but in. That, that being said, like that might not change how you feel about Pathfinder. Like, I mean, it just means it, it, all, uh, that a very expensive gold cost isn't the answer. I think, uh, damn near everything we talk about on the show is subjective, Taliesin. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> my absolute is that nothing we discuss here is an absolute. <laughs> Sean C writes in says, uh, 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 Sean C had a rather long email. I did my best to kind of summarize it here, which uh, was that Sean C wants to know what we would like to see as caverns of time instances or raids and then suggested Ooh. things themselves like the fall of Calthalas uh, slash silver moon in the third war, the battle of hearth Glen, uh, which, if you don't remember, is uh, Arthas and Jaina's uh, kind of last battle with the Scourge before the events of Stratholme, um, the original War of the Shifting Sands, the battle behind the Grey Main Wall, which is when Argal releases the Worgen to fight the Scourge, which is how the Worgen even get involved with uh, the uh, Gilneans in the first place, or War of the Ancients. I would like to see the formation of... Uh... 
Tia's hand and Tira's fall. I would like to see Tia, the Titan Watcher, uh, doing some badass fighting. And, you know, and it could be like, you could be fighting like other denizens on the floor, but you'd see like these two huge beings fighting each other in the skybox. So, like Hans Zimmer music just going. And then you get a little cinematic at the end where he falls. Oh, and his hand like falls like that. And, and then you see like at the end of Gangs of New York, you know, you see like a, a, a kind of time lapse and you see all like the, the grass and stuff growing over his hand and his body and stuff like that and creating the zone. I think that'd be. Who remind I, th- this is. So, I, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, such a who was he, um, who was he fighting? <laughs> I can't remember who Tia was fighting when he you went call me a dickhead. You can't remember who he's fighting. <laughs> no, that's why you're a dickhead. I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm, I I've got the Wikipedia article you know open right now. That was basically like we were at a party, okay, and and um, like I was talking to someone whose name I clearly don't remember, even though I'm supposed to. And then you came up and joined us, and you didn't just introduce yourself, which meant that I had to be like. Ah, well, because uh, I can't introduce you because I know your name, but I can't remember the other guy's name. And like, you've put me on that spot. And so that's why you always introduce yourself when you join like a group of people at a party, because otherwise you're putting them in a situation where they have to expose their lack of knowledge of one of the people's <laughs> names in that group. And that's what you just did. Uh, it was okay. It was uh, Kithrax, the uh, the old god, like minion. So you'd have like this, this Titan Watcher okay. fighting the old god minion in the skybox, and there'd be like void shit going off everywhere. There'd be arcane stuff going off everywhere, and you'd be fighting old. Like, you'd be in like an army of Titan constructs. I know this isn't technically in the story, but we can add it in. Um, and, and and like fighting against like smaller kind of old goddy things, and it'd be really awesome. And then um, yeah, you'd do something to help him out in the fight. Uh, and it would be really cool. And also very fitting if the next expansion is going to be Intergalactic Disco War to help set that scene. Ooh. Okay. That would be totally- I, just, I, I just like the idea of like two huge kind of beings fighting each other in the skybox and you running around kind of like uh, Hoth style around their feet just doing stuff, you know, and kind of like, yeah, I just think that'd be really awesome. And um, yeah, and, and the fact that it, I've always loved um, Tyrus Fall and and like tears hand places like that and uh reading about it in chronicle made me love it even more and uh yeah i, I just think it'd be really what about you uh one of the examples that sean c mentioned that i didn't include uh for this exact purpose of stealing it from my own answer <laughs> was uh was sylvanas retaking lordaeron Ooh yeah because it's it's another thing that's like covered in books but we've never seen it happen or play out in game that would be really cool. Um, and I, yeah, I think that would be really freaking sweet. Also, uh, Fall of Kalthalos would be really cool as well because that's so rad in the book and in the RTS, but it'd be so cool to like, see it from the ground floor. Um, what about the death of Tiffin Win? Rin? Like you're in Stormwind and the Stonemasons Guild is popping off. And they're rioting. Thank because, you for reminding uh, me what the hell this even is. Yeah, that'd be really the, rad. Even though the evil Stormwind monarchy hasn't paid them, and someone throws a stone and it hits Tiffin Rin in the head, and the stone is the final boss of the dungeon. So, and so what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah, uh, 
and you uh, and you uh, and you oh you get it down to one hit point but it still hits <laughs> you're doing a bit i do really i love the, the 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 weird mason stuff in in like the human lore of warcraft so more with that would be interesting but that that would just be absurd taliesin <laughs> they just keep throwing stones and it's just a, a it's just a a breaking line of attack exercise yeah Think of all, yeah. Think of all the AOE to avoid. It would be the, the floor, it'd be like the uh, the bullet mechanic in um, the end of Tolbarad, not Tolbarad. What's the what's the damn jail right now in BFA? Oh, uh, Tol de Gore. Tol de Gore. Thank you. Yeah, it'd be the m- bullet mechanic Worst in that. Ever made? I hate Just, it. I hate it, it so much. Oh, I love Tol de Gore. I love. Uh, it can get out. Oh, it's so. Oh, it's He's like, oh, look, lots of lots of uh, enemies all stacked together. I'll use this AOE effect. Wait, where are all these enemies coming from? They come from like the second and third floor. Why have I pulled them? Cool design for a dungeon. dungeon. I love it so that deeply. That dungeon can go there's, and like just eat shit. There's gators in the sewer. It's oh, oh, there's so much to love. Oh, I love the concept of it. Don't get me wrong. And like when it's working fine, apart from like the firing the cannon, I hate that. But, you know, it's fine. But the fact is, you, you can still pull things from other floors, even today. And yeah, that can- I don't know. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful, Taliesin. You're a disc priest. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> or you're mad at I other people. I disc priest. You're mad at other people is what it is. Yeah. I know, Taliesin. I know. God, it must be nice to get to focus on a game. Do you ever go? God, it must be nice to cover multiple games. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be streaming Baldur's Gate after this. Oh, sick! Let me know how that is. Can't wait. We can't wait until the the next pre-show where instead of talking Batman for 30 minutes, we talk about Baldur's Gate. Oh my god! Okay, so this has got nothing to do with anything, right? But I had a revelation yesterday. You know, one of those moments just changes your life. Um, you know how like mo- uh, movies are called different things in different countries, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, in France, um, Home Alone was called Mummy, I Missed the Plane. I was not aware of this, and that is hilarious. Yeah. Okay, but like that phrase is never mentioned. That is not a a line. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and like uh, obviously the uh, famous one is that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Britain was called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles um and uh and stuff like that so i was trying to describe the first movie that i remember seeing brendan fraser in okay and and i was talking to avatar about brendan fraser for some reason i was like you know his first movie california man oh and she was like my god california man what that's no there's no such movie called california man and i was like yeah there is he's a he's like a caveman he's like stone age man and he gets thawed out from a block of ice in california and he's california man and like the posters were like kind of like a uh, an evolutionary scale but you know like you see in textbooks but with brendan fraser dressed in like a hawaiian shirt and stuff at the end and it's called california man good title and she was like no it's called encino man and i was like i don't even know what an encino is that's a stupid name for a film and she's like encino is like quite a well-to-do area in in california and the reason she mentioned it is was because it's where cobra kai is set okay so cobra kai which we're we are currently watching on netflix is set in encino and um all parts of it are which is why you know it kind of came up and I, i was like i that makes 
obviously I can see why they changed it because you know they wanted it to sound like not like they want the title to be suggestive of say you know prehistoric man or uh neolithic man or something like that but obviously something funnier than that that we all recognize is not being california man encino man literally sounds like an like to someone who doesn't know where encino is which is everyone who isn't in america like i I, I mean mean, go one further and say anyone that doesn't live in california yeah it could feasibly be part of the evolutionary scale like you say encino man you're like oh is that one after uh neanderthal man like like it it, kind of sounds more scientific um but it just blew my mind that like for americans brendan fraser's first movie is called encino man and to everyone else in the world it's called california man i I had nothing to do with anything we were talking about and i I regret bringing it up frankly but it was on my mind and it it blew my mind i didn't see encino man until i was in my 20s and living in los angeles at the time interesting yeah so I, well, in fairness, I, I believe Encino Man to be a terrible movie title, and I believe this is one of the few instances where the uh, the changed title is actually much. Oh, oh yeah, man. Oh, and uh, save your emails. But this is where I go uh, as as an American who the only other state I've ever lived in is California. Um, uh, I think Californians in, in, enjoy self-reference self-reference just a little too much and it's the reason you think so it's yeah. one of the reasons i cannot get into bojack horseman uh because boy they think jokes about ralph's which is a grocery store chain in southern california are hilarious and i'm just like this this isn't funny if i have to watch one more hollywood movie which like you know glorifies the nobility of uh Hollywood screenwriter, I think I'm going to stab out my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, hey, well, you know who the real heroes are? Hollywood screenwriters. Okay, mate. Sure. Uh, and yet, and yet, uh, this I do self-loathe because I did really enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah. Fine, I did too. I did. <laughs> even though I didn't realize it was leading up to an extremely famous murder, it <laughs> never occurred to me because I wasn't aware of the hist- of the events leading up to that extremely famous murder. <laughs> Oh, 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 spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> well, apparently everyone but me already knew that's what the movie was about because I got to the end. I was like, oh, damn, that's what it's about. And then I've made mention of it on Twitter and everyone was like, yeah, of course you dolt. That's exactly what it's about. Just a lot, I, I kind of simultaneously love and hate that movie, uh, but we're not going to get into it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we find ourselves. Uh, here we find ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, George, aka Balath on Akama, writes, Hey, GNT. Almost named the show nice. that. I suggested that as a show name. Uh, Long time fan of the Garrett verse of podcasts. Uh, end of TNE on YouTube. First time writer. It may not be the first, but I am plagued by the suspicion that Torghast may be somewhat linked to the roguelike elements of the Dalaran High solo adventure. In this Hearthstone mode, you build the deck that would be normally overpowered to take on increasingly difficult opponents in a similar fashion. Uh, in, as it appears to me, a uh, similar fashion to Torgas formula of giving your WoW characters overpowered abilities to defeat increasingly difficult opponents. Does this suspicion hold any water? Do y'all think there are other instances where the design of other Blizzard games has influence while design? Thanks for recording, or sorry, thanks for reading, and stay hungry, chickens, <laughs> <laughs> says George, a.k.a. Balathanakama. Um, to a certain degree, 
I would say, I mean, this is just inspired by roguelike in general, which the Dalaran heist and all their dungeon run modes in Hearthstone were inspired by. But um, yeah, I definitely think WoW has been inspired by other Blizzard uh, game design. Um, what do you think, Taliesin? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the Dalaran heist at all. Um, it's it's I, a roguelike. It's it's kind. Yeah. Of, have you played uh, Slay the Spire? No. Oh, okay. Well, it's kind of a light version of that, which is a roguelike card game. Cool. Sounds awesome. Doesn't it sound horrific? I hate card games. But um, it, I, <laughs> no, I like them very much. They're great. I got my Hearthstone mount. I got stop, my Hearthstone. Stop lying I'm to me, Tellius, and stop lying. Don't lie to me. T. I like some card games. I, I I used to play Werewolf. Uh, you know, whatever the uh the Vampire the Masquerade kind of card game was back in the day. Rage. It was called Rage. Yeah, and and Magic Gathering and stuff like that. Um. Anyway, uh, as far as kind of um, for me, basically the answer is yes. Uh, in 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 the the bit you described that I can talk about, which is the kind of making a character OP and just kind of going crazy in the kind of extent of it. Yeah. The thing is that there are no stakes really in Torgan. So um, at the moment in game, it looks like uh, you know you're going to go in there and you're going to get your currency out of it that you need every week and there's going to be like a hard cap on the currency that you're going to get this is how it looks like it's going to it's going to work at the moment and obviously like the game's been delayed they are making changes the uh talk at the more is on the places they're making some of the more significant changes to if their uh, last blue post is to be believed so maybe some of that will sink into into tall gas as well but at the moment you go in there you get your currency for the week you can go in there again and try and push floors and if you get to like floor 18 there's some special prizes that you can get there and stuff uh it doesn't seem to be like the never-ending mode that most people want um which feels weird to me but certainly in my testing that i've done with torgast yeah the joy of torgast comes in the complete unbalanced uh randomness so sometimes you can go in there and yeah you you can get lucky with your powers or what have you and the initial enemies that you face and you're just going to become completely OP and you're going to blow everything away. Equally, sometimes you're going to go in there and it's going to be incredibly unfair and you'll get your ass kicked and it'll be no fault of your own. And for me, because there's nothing really like that in WoW, that's incredibly enjoyable. And that's literally where the enjoyment of Torgan comes from, is its randomness and how much it just like revels in its randomness. And that's why I wanted uh, to take away the cost of getting into Torgast. Uh, which they had initially as well. You had to grind um, in the more to get, like kind of like you do with Horrific Visions. You had to grind in the more to get your currency to buy your ticket into Torgan. Um, but of course, if you do that, then suddenly it's not fun if if it's incredibly unbalanced and incredibly unfair. Because if you do that and you go in and you know you spent hours grinding a currency and then you go into Torgast and it kicks your ass completely unfairly, well, that's not fun because then you've got to go and grind that um, currency again. So that's why I was uh, me at everyone else who played it pretty much was pushing so hard to take away that currency uh, and that that ticket price to get into tall gas and just make it unlimited entry which it now is which is awesome and i think that's good that is one of the reasons why the more itself feels so empty and kind of meaningless in many ways because one of the main reasons for it to exist which was for you to grind your currency to get into tall gas no longer exists so they're trying to fill it with like other reasons for that entire zone to exist and they kind of do um but yeah it has created its own problems um 
But for me, yeah, and, and so I, most of us wanted that kind of initial currency cost to enter Torgas taken away specifically so we could preserve that complete unbalanced randomness, um, which is incredibly fun. Um, because sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just blow everything away and you feel like a god. Uh, and sometimes you get squished in the first room. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, to me, obviously, it, yeah. better players will be better, but it, it's fun. I like that. Yeah. And to me, it feels like it, you know, as someone who doesn't design games, so I can only say, speak to this as an outsider looking in, but it seems like it would really remove a lot of shackles for how you even design Torghast in the first place and also moving into future patches. Yeah. Um, so when we, when we were testing it as well, um, you know, we were all like, okay, so clearly it's broken at the moment because the enemies weren't scaling to your power level. Okay, like you, the further you got, the easier Torghast got. You would get more powers oh, as you went on. you get busted. And you would, yeah, you would scale like faster than the enemy. Um, and really getting the powers, if you're, if, if you're going to have an endless mode, which is what most people want, um, then that's not going to work, obviously, because like once you get past a certain plateau, you'll just never be able to be killed, essentially, and you can just go on forever. And so the only challenge of Torghast would be like, how long is your play session, basically? Like, how, <laughs> how long can you go out, go without food and water? I am tired <laughs> and like, now. And, sleep. and yeah, totally. Um, so, and, and we all thought, well, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to make the enemies scale much, much harsher. So the powers you pick up are to keep you in check with the baddies. And actually what they need to do is they need to make the baddies scale faster than you do, even if you're getting every power. So like you are falling behind more and more and that's where the challenge comes in because that's how roguelikes work um blizz haven't done that <laughs> they've, they've taken a different approach which is just to kind of cap it at 18 floors um and uh the scaling still doesn't really work in there last time i played uh, and it still gets easier the the longer you survive and the longer you go on um and uh get away from like, what they've done now is they just chuck you out after floor 18 which isn't so fun to be honest. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Yeah. Um, everyone just wants an endless mode. Everyone want, just wants a, a mode where you go in and it, it will end when you get your ass kicked and, and you get, th you know? I mean, that's, um, that's what it than, was advertised as. Yeah, totally. You shouldn't be able to win Torgan, but at the moment you kind of can. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. To, and you know what? Maybe that's changed since I last played it because it, it, it has been a few weeks since i since i touched it but that was certainly the case then and that's kind of been you know like it's been backed up by what devs have said about it that that is kind of how it's supposed to work and and that you know they're not going to scale maybe that's part i say of everyone I, I mean me yeah so i'm i'm kind of like putting words into a lot of people's other players mouths here but that's that's how i would like uh talk yeah I don't know. I haven't, I haven't tried it since alpha. Um, and so I, I kind of expected it to be closer to ad as advertised now, but it doesn't sound like it is. Um, if, if you have an endless version, then the baddies have to scale faster than you do. The yeah. moment is the opposite. So yeah. you can't have endless, it's, which is a shame. It's cool to feel powerful, but to what end? Like at a certain, yeah. it, 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 it runs out. It's it really wears out. It's novelty pretty quick. I think. Mm -hmm. So, Interesting, uh, interesting stuff. Um, it's good systems, but 
hey, it's a fun thing to have in the game. And I'm, like the game is 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 not made worse by Torghast being in it. Can yeah. only be made better by Torghast being in it. And um, I was talking on a stream actually yesterday about it. Someone was asking about you know this, this thing of systems upon systems in in Shadowlands, which is something that people uh, like talking about. And my gut feeling with Shadowlands, with all these things, you've got Torghast, you've got legendaries, you've got, and you know, crafting legendaries, you've got uh, the, the covenants, and you've got soul binds, and you've got conduits that you put into soul binds, and you have to unlock uh, the various levels of soul bind by progressing your covenant hall, which you do by doing like, renown quests in Torghast and, 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 and in the zones. And uh, you collect conduits as loot drops, essentially, and then you you get higher level ones and you put them in your soul binds and you can swap them out and you know and currency for doing that now and stuff and yeah they're like you know when you explain any of these things it sounds incredibly complicated uh but if you explained the way pvp works in classic that would sound incomprehensible to me because i'm not involved in it and and because i i'm not doing it and as soon as you are it does make sense and it's a lot more kind of intuitive um and also uh, comparing it to something like BFA, which also has a lot of different systems. My gut feeling, and just from what I've experienced in, in the, uh, the beta and alpha cycle, so I might be wrong, but my gut feeling is that all of the different systems in Shadowlands currently, they are all much more interlinked to each other than the different systems in BFA. So um, in BFA, you know, you had war fronts which were completely separate and didn't have any impact on your uh island expedition and vice versa and you know you, you had your azurite armor which is a completely different thing and and your uh your um azurite kind of progression which affected your azurite armor but didn't affect anything else and 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 the different kind of systems and strands of gameplay are all very much more interlinked in shadowlands from like from my experience so when you're progressing one you're kind of indirectly progressing the other and vice versa and things like that so it's all like much more whole and connected and should i hope feel more intuitive and more satisfactory as a and i think Torghast fits in and the way you go in there to get your your soul steep so yeah uh, and your soul ash which is what you need i mean that's that's the real reason for going to Torghast to get your soul um is to to make your your legendaries soul. And there's a cap of a hundred a week solar. Uh so um you just go in there, you get it, and then any you know, you, you still you can still go into Torghast to get your souls, which you get in the moor as well, uh, which you need to get your renown. Um and the renown progresses your covenant and unlocks your soul binds. And like it's 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 just it's a bit more intuitive and it's a bit more connected. And it's not like these in BFA, there's all that thing of, oh, there's this other thing I have to do, and it's completely separate from all these other things, but I have to because it's the, most, the best way of getting... Uh, I have to do the Warfunk to get like, a nice bit of gear. And it all just felt a bit, a bit more kind of standalone-ish. It does. Is my impression at the moment. That could change. I could just be flat out wrong, but that's, that's how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of thought. I mean, we t- we've talked about it before that I... Not the biggest fan of all the different various systems that have kind of come across world of warcraft um and and i kind of look at it as branching off of the artifact weapons and legion which i really liked but um like i i kind of miss i think i mentioned this before i kind of miss having like 
basically a shopping list of like gear, knowing where the gear dropped, going and getting that gear and kind of considering a, a character done at a certain point and then moving on to alts uh, until, till the next, you know, raid tier. Um, and so, and George makes me think of this because of talking about like other blizzard game systems coming into world of Warcraft, because I kind of look at it. Not that it's one-to-one, but it is related to kind of this feeling of, of not really ever feeling like I'm done <laughs> with gear or really any aspect of, of, of gearing in, in modern wow, which is it to me, I, I kind of look at it as, the Diablo-ification of, uh, yeah. of, of of gearing in World of Warcraft, um, which which I'm not the biggest fan of. It's not my biggest complaint um, from something like BFA. I, I'm with everyone on it's just like, yeah, Azrin armor, which is kind of a miss. Um, although it does play into that, but but that exists for all all gear in in here now in BFA, not just Azerite armor. Just I think Azerite armor is the biggest offender of of my pain points with with those systems so um yeah i mean i i'm failing to think of a good example but i know they've <laughs> uh, things no, have leaked in from other agree. games and i mean so a good example of that deamplification is uh obviously uh the obvious one would be titan forging mm-hmm. um and uh you know um gems going onto gear and stuff like that and and uh and just the sheer amount of gear that you get in bf from all these different sources and when you have like that uh abundance of gear um and it's easy to see why the devs you know thought that would be fun because it kind of is uh but when you have that much gear getting given to you you have to add uh, an element of randomization to that gear because i mean otherwise you're just going to get everything you need uh, straight away um shadowlands is taking a very different approach for that famously um uh, and they've said this from the start like they are the the buzzwords have been you know player agency and and being able to target specific gear so there's less gear in shadowlands in general um a, a good example of that is how in a in a mythic plus dungeon now there is there is one piece of gear at the end of the dungeon in in your in your chest no matter what level key it is um the flip side to that is you get uh, a choice of items in your weekly chest you still only get one item from your weekly chest um but you get a, a choice of items from doing different activities and, and doing different things. So the actual gearing is slower, but the targeting of gear is much more precise. And I mean, you could say that craftable legendaries are kind of the ultimate uh, version of that. You know, you, you, are, you are choosing to literally make and equip a, an item that you are putting the powers onto and things like that. And, and uh, obviously conduits are very targetable from, from bosses and what have you. Um, so yeah, and that is noticeable in Shadowlands. Um, there's uh, no bonus rolls in Shadowlands in in, in raiding, so uh, that kind of um, and I I think that's I think that's the right way to go. Personally, I'm 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 much I'm down with there being less loot, but more deterministic ways of getting them, for sure. Yeah, as am I, because it brings it closer to the older way of gearing, which I yeah. do prefer. Um, I feel like I always take the stance of the, the the grumpy. I like the way it used to be, which is not true. I like a lot of new things about WoW quite a bit. It's the reason why I play more retail than classic. But yeah, it's all a balance, right? And you know, as much as we all think is a good idea, and as much as we might enjoy it, and it might be better in Shadowlands, there's just as much chance that even if it is like objectively the superior system, you could get to the end of Shadowlands and you just need a change. And you're just like, I would like there to be more loot for a bit now. 
Um, you know, and I'd like to have an expansion of that. And I'd like to not want that to be the case when I get to the end of that expansion. And it doesn't mean that it's worse necessarily. It just means that like, things have to change over expansions because yeah. you just get bored of stuff. And yeah. like you want it to be different. And that's why metas are always changing because it's boring if they don't. Yes, um, except for Pathfinder. It's, it's, it's actually objectively it terrible and let's get yeah. rid of it. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly it's like it's like okay so blizzard maybe blizzard can't balance anything but the fact is if they did balance everything then i mean they'd make no changes ever because why would they because everything's balanced and that that wouldn't be fun <laughs> um, and it would just be like yeah okay like so i think especially when it comes i think it happens in wow as well but it's much more noticeable in in games like overwatch and Hearthstone, where it's like yeah, they, they have changed the meta on purpose here and they have changed the balance on purpose and they've made some things more powerful uh, and, and so you use them on purpose because it's fun when that kind of stuff changes up. Um, yeah, and, it causes uh, excitement and, and, and it yeah. shakes things up for daily players, which are yeah. usually are the players they're catering to more often than you know, not. So yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. In a similar boat. So, um, anyways, I think it's going to wrap it up for this mailbag episode. Um, keep them coming, everybody. Wowkillercast at gmail.com is where you can send them. We uh, very much appreciate it. Um, next week's episode is kind of up in the air. Uh, I have a thing on Wednesday that I cannot get out of. Um, so, we're going to try and find an alternate day, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So, bear with us. Um, I thought we would just be on an endless snowball of launch at this point, but here we find ourselves. Yeah, funny in it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yet I'm okay with it. More time to play yeah, Cyberpunk right. for me. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you for your emails, everybody. Um, before we go, tell us if somehow folks don't know where to find you for other World of Warcraft coverage. Where can they find you? Oh boy, are you ever in for a treat? If you go to Talies and Never Tell Do Games on uh, what's it called YouTube, or you go to uh, Talies and Never Tell on Twitch. Or if you go to Talies and Evertel on Twitter, oh boy, oh boy, have we got some fun times for you. I'll see you there. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, folks, I'm Garrett Art on Twitter. This podcast and every single other damn one that I make can be found on amove.tv. I would particularly like to point you over to youtube.com slash amove.tv because we are actually putting a lot of effort into editing the biggest Hearthstone news of the week as standalone YouTube videos over there for the Angry Chicken podcast. And uh, it's a lot of freaking work, so please watch those videos. <laughs> I would appreciate it a lot. YouTube.com slash TV. You'll find all sorts of stuff there if you're a Hearthstone fan. There's also a rather meaty discussion on the whole Dreamhaven announcement, so you can find that over there as well. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Andrew Allen for our intro and outro music. You should check out his work over at andrewallenmusic.com. And uh, until next time, good luck and have fun, everybody. Yeah.